0: Welcome to What's Happening in 40K, your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene and bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for the finale of the Road to the LGT coverage. This is indeed Bets On. It's Bets On, an hour long special, and we are welcoming back Big G. How are you doing, Big G? Very well, thank you, Zach. And we are also joined by Malik for a three-way bets on. How you doing, Malik? I'm
2: all good. Delighted to
1: be here. Good, good, good. All right. So... As I said, we are back for Bets On, and what is Bets On? It is the episode where we go through the top players attending an upcoming event, and Big G, our professional bookmaker, gives them their betting odds for winning the event. Now, given it's an LGT special, this is going to be slightly longer. We're going to be covering 10 probably well-known names who are amongst the favorites. We're going to also be covering 10 outsiders, so these may be very strong contenders, but maybe people that you're not so familiar with. And of course, LGT last year was won by one such gentleman, Mr. Andrew Sacco. And we've prepared a little bit of a party game. We've got a few rare events that George has priced up that we'll be going through as well for a bit of lighthearted coverage. So without further ado, let's get started. Let's start at the bottom of the odds with a bit of a deep dive. So we've got a number of gentlemen coming that, you know, maybe out of the 750 players in attendance, they're not in the top three favorites, but they have something going for them. And of the 20 people we've priced up this weekend, George, you have given Sid 150 to one with his chaos Knights. Why don't you tell us how you've arrived at this score and we can see what it is that can give you a chance at winning, even amongst this incredibly competitive field.
2: Well, um, I wanted to get Sid in there because um, I've heard from a couple of people that he has a very, very clever tactic in avoiding overwatch, is what I've been told. It's it's actually an innovation of how to avoid overwatch, is what what some people have told me. Now, I don't want to give away secrets, so if anyone sees Sid, you can ask about what he does very cleverly with his Chaos Knights to prevent him from being overwatched. And Chaos Knights, we looked at them. Uh, within our team actually and Malik was looking at them more closely so he could give maybe a a better insight on the Chaos Knights and why they can possibly upset the meta at the moment.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know about uh, avoiding Overwatch but actually I think just um, from a pure profile perspective uh, Chaos Knights look like they've got it all going on. So uh, they've got multiple causes of battle shocks which will really help them in their primary. Uh, They have got... Big options for BS2 12 uh, shot auto cannons and melters. So, actually, if you think about this very diverse meta we are seeing in LGT, which is actually fantastic, by the way, real credit uh, to everyone and, and to where the game is, uh, you've got to be able to deal with vehicles in the shape of Tau and some other tougher armor pieces, and lots and lots of volume in the shape of cultists potentially or Necron warriors. Uh, So Chaos Knights look like they've got it all. They've got Melters, they've got close combat weapons for some of the tougher stuff with high AP. Uh, And actually, they've got a lot of high volume, high quality shots. It's strength six, uh, so it can just chew through those hordes. So uh, it's been really fascinating to see how people have teched and and what people have thought will catch the meta off guard. Uh, But Chaos Knights look like the perfect army
1: to do a lot of that. Very interesting there. Thank you, Malik, for that expert insight. You haven't chosen Chaos Knights yourself, though, so why haven't you gone for an army that, you know, as you say, text to the counter? This is normally your your sort of game plan, Malek?
3: Yeah, I mean, firstly, I don't have them, although we do have them within the team, so actually probably a shame that one of us hasn't piloted them. Um, but I... You know, on a real personal level, uh, I'm feeling the nostalgia of being back at LGT with Admix. So uh, they're not a fancied army, but watch out. You know, last time I was at LGT with Admix, I won it all. So that's the
1: plan. All right. Well, maybe we'll get to your odds later. If FG <laughs> has put you in the top 20, who shall be able to guess? But next up, we have a gentleman who is in his invitational debut, He is also in his bets on debut. We have Lewis Smith at a hundred to one, another one of these outsiders G. So why don't you tell us a little bit, but what separates Lewis Smith with his hundred to one odds versus any of the other 749 other players attending?
2: Well, um, it's funny um, because I wrote, I wrote these odds yesterday morning and I actually played Lewis last night. Um, And he was, he was very confident and a, and a, and a very good player. I, I, tried out something different so i did end up losing the game but i was i was testing something um a different way of playing and a different style it didn't really pay off for me so i did actually lose the game and he was he actually impressed me he was actually really good uh, last night so if i was to write these odds again i would maybe shorten those to to possibly 60 or 50 to 1 rather than 100 but Very um, interesting. He so he used we to have be to do- a demon player Sorry, let me just finish there. Sorry, Zach. Um, he used to be a demon player, and he's hating them in a new edition, apparently. So he switched to Tao at, just at the right time, but it looks
1: Indeed. Tao, very strong at the moment. I'm sure we'll cover some other players using Tao later on. But before then, you heard it here, folks, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to get onto bets on with 100 to 1 odds, all you have to do is beat Big G in the week before an event, and you're guaranteed to make an appearance in the next show. So good luck to anyone who wants to take on that gauntlet. Next up we have a well-known name. I don't know if he's in your normal list of favorites G or if he is part of the outsiders list, but we have Anthony Vanella returning to the UK after his Coventry debut and you have given him still relatively long odds of 80 to 1. Now for such a strong, well-known, high-profile player, 80 to 1 seems a little bit mean G. Why have you given him such long odds?
2: <laughs> I've got a few reasons for this. Um, obviously, we know he's one of the Art of War guys who are, you know, a talented team, um, as we know. And he has played in the, in the UK before. So maybe maybe the the terrain is very different here to there. But he does actually have some experience on the UK terrain. So, so part of my feeling was he's not going to be that that used to, to, to the way our setup is. And obviously, he's got a, a well-eater army, which just wants to go first. So it's just basically, if you go first, it's extremely dangerous. You go second, you can be just completely shot off the board. So it's one of them 50% chances, it's a good list. And 50% of the time, it's not a good list. So if he had one of the, you know, one of the meta armies or the meta lists, he would be amongst my favourites for sure. But, you know, he's from America. Do they even use inches in America or do they use centimetres in 40k? I don't even know. Um, Because I know the the old Americans, they like to use centimetres, don't they? Can they adapt to the English game? We'll find out.
1: Unfortunately, George, you've got it completely round the wrong way. America is the only other country, I think, apart from Myanmar, that actually uses inches as their official measurement. And, um, you know, when you're doing your base measurements, 40 mil has to be translated into something like one inch and three quarters of sixteenths of seconds. So... Um, Yeah, the Americans... Oh, really? Okay,
2: yeah, yeah. Maybe
1: behind the the measurement curve, we shall see. But with (laughs) Vanilla in attendance, (laughs) we're going to come on to our first wildcard question. So obviously, an American has won the LGT before. We've had an American win the Invitational before. We've had a Frenchman win the LGT. So why don't we have a little discussion about the odds around someone to win the overall event, who does not live in the UK. Malik, what do you reckon the odds on this are if you were going to say, you know, they've won sort of one in eight of the events so far, so maybe it's a, it's a, it's an eight to one. What do you reckon? Oh,
3: I mean, I reckon anyone winning this event has to be even bigger, like 20 to one. I disagree with our professional bookmaker, uh, given you have to go through so many rounds, you know, the, the chance of actually winning an event. Um, but I do think um, if you look at major major 40k events uh there isn't a huge history with people from outside of the country being able to adapt quickly enough uh if you look at lvo yes there has been uh some other winners but not that many uh i mean lgt obviously depends whether you look at the overall general or the just the the score whether we define whether an american has won it or not Um, but yes i definitely think these should be long odds probably nearer to 20 to 1
1: Interesting. So, G, you have given them in our special rankings a 3 to 1 odds. That seems very high. Are you underrating Britain's 40k prowess,
2: George? What it is, there is actually one foreigner amongst this 20 that is one of my favourites. And he is, without any spoiling too much, I won't give the name away, but I've actually marked him down as my second favourite at 4 to 1. So, the reason why I've made it 3 to 1, because if I've got one foreigner that's 4 to 1, any foreigner has to be shorter, a shorter price than four to one. So it's three to one.
1: So we're getting an insight there into the mathematics of bookmaking. Very interesting indeed. But we shall now move on. Our next three gentlemen have uh, odds of 66 to one, 50 to one and 40 to one. And they are Michael Costello, David Gaylard, and Chris Patterson. Now, what I've done there is read out the odds and read out the names in different orders. So just hazard a guess. You know what, 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 order do you would off the top of your head you put these in, Malik? I'd
3: probably uh, be looking at Michael Costello at sixty-six to one, and then Chris Patterson at fifty to one, and David Gaylord at forty to one. If you were going purely on past results, uh, yeah, Michael you- has not always chosen the meta army. Um, David obviously has got a recent history of winning events, although Chris has recently won an event as well, a pretty big event at Goonhammer. So um, that's kind of how I'd go
1: based purely uh, on their history, but their lists may change that. Indeed, yes. I couldn't agree more. You know, David obviously has a vast history of super major wins. Chris has gone 5-0 and at one of our events before. I think last season he went 4.5-0 and at one of the events of this season and has recently won, I think, Hemelham was the event he won recently, but with pre nerf Eldar. But George, you have given them Michael Costello in at forty to one, Pipping David to the forty to one post, which has got a fifty to one for David Gaylard, and then Mr. Patterson in at sixty six to one. So instead of telling us about why you've given them these odds, tell us about why you've put them in this order, G.
2: Um, well Chris, well t- to make the top twenty, you're obviously you're in a good place, right? There's like seven hundred and fifty players, so just, just getting in this list is obviously an achievement. But look, looking at it, um, Costello and David both are using Astra Militarum, the same the same army, and I know for sure that Costello's been practicing with the guard for a long, long time. And David's been jumping through factions. So I just thought that, that Costello would be more accustomed to the guard list than what David would. Because I know David played some Necrons and he's he's played a bit of Elder at, you know, uh, here and there as well. But how many guard games he's actually got with this list I don't know. But I know Costello's been, been on the guard for a while um, in recent times. And I'd played Michael Costello before and he was very, very impressive. He's, he's in my opinion, the best Vanguard tactics player. Um, so he just impresses me. That's why I just put him at 40s rather than the 50s at David.
1: Interesting. I think that's probably the first time a Vanguard Tactics player has outranked David in the bets on. Although maybe Ben Jones was the first to take that credit. We shall wait and see. But before we get on to the next of the rankings, one of those gentlemen you just mentioned is a known Londoner. And I don't believe we've ever had one win the event before. So why have you given the chances of a known Londoner to win with the help of home advantage 8-1 to George? Whoa, whoa.
3: How has a known Londoner not won this event before, Zach? Well, Malik, are you from London? I thought you lived out in Essex. I am definitely,
1: (laughs) definitely from London. Uh, I identify as a Londoner. All right. So Malik identifies as a Londoner. I'll identify as an ex-Londoner as I'm currently up in Leicester at the LGT homeland. But George, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you think 8 to 1 is a Londoner's odds. Now, obviously, we have a strong field in London, but it is a relatively short amount of the total players at the event. So this seems like, again, very short odds on a known Londoner winning the event.
2: Yeah. Um, it's difficult to actually... When I was doing this and I was thinking about Londoners, who who is a Londoner? Is it someone that currently lives in London? Is it someone that you know, has lived in here all their life? Is it someone that's... like Alex Harrison was born in London, for example, um, but... Then he's been a northerner for the last God knows how many years. And now he's back in London. So is he a Londoner? I guess he is. Um, He's one of my favourites. Naz, Nassim, um, he lives on the outskirts of London. So I would presume he plays for a London team. So I would probably class him as a Londoner. Malik, um, yeah, he's identified as a Londoner. So it was a hard one for me to actually, you know, identify who's a Londoner and who isn't. So that's why it was a tricky one for me to price.
1: Interesting. So, I guess it's one of those things about Celtics. You know, they say Celts are anyone who identified as a Celt, and Londoners apparently are anyone who identifies as a Londoner or can have that identification foisted upon them by George when he says, You were born here, so you are one. But we'll leave issues of personal identity aside for now. Best of luck to everyone from London. Eight to one, your odds to win the event. Next up, we do have another one of those Londoners, although this gentleman could also be classified as one of the people to win from outside of Britain, because it is none other than Mr. Bad Moon himself, Boris Michev, at 33-1. to 1. Now, Boris is heading over to the World Championships of Warhammer later this year, along with a bunch of other of these attendees that have qualified through winning one of our events early in the year. And he has got, I believe, the lowest odds of those who are currently qualified on this list. Why don't you tell us about why you think Boris has a thirty-three to one chance of winning? That's about three percent, right, George? Still relatively long odds.
2: Yeah, well, Boris obviously does really well at tournaments, and he's a, he's a very strong player. We all know that. But this is with the faction he's using. Um, I don't think he has. He doesn't have access to some of these meta armies at the moment, so he's sticking with his to the Colt, and as we all know, well Malik would know even better um, how good his list actually is. But it's nowhere near as good as what it was when he won or done very well in these tournaments, you know, a couple of months ago. He's definitely on. He's definitely going downhill um,
1: because of his faction. Well, that gives us an excellent chance to discuss the meta at the moment because it is basically brand new. You mentioned earlier about the diversity of it and how great that is for the state of the game. And obviously, this Monday's meta win rankings were very well balanced. There's a vast, vast majority, I believe. Everyone apart from Eldar were between 45 and 55% win rate. So, amazing state of the game at the moment. This is obviously the biggest event of the year of the new edition. And... We're going to say, like you know, people are sticking with what they want, but GSC seem to have fallen the farthest, For much further than Eldar. You know, they've gone from arguably second best faction to arguably one of the worst. Malik, why don't you tell us about what you think the impact of the data slate is going to have on the overall field, and give us a few examples from you know Boris's GSC list as a way to sort of exemplify how diverse this game currently is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um To answer your first question of why GSC have maybe fallen further than some of the other armies that took some nerfs, uh, is that they got hit twice over, Uh, so potentially three times over by some of the major nerfs, so uh, two of them more specific to GSC and one that was actually a change that they'd made in the game that GSC were really exploiting. So they got hit with points like Eldar, like a lot of other armies and that was probably foreseeable but they also got hit with a mechanic change in terms of how their revive comes. So rather than being automatic on troops now, actually it is dependent on a dice roll. Uh, You know, could be a three, could be a four um, and that isn't something you really want to rely on in a competitive game. But actually one of the biggest hits was to the free stratagem ability that the Nexus was conferring. So with that only working now uh, on battle tactics or specific name stratagems, depending on your ability, actually it feels like they really did take nerfs from all sides. So um, it's interesting to see uh, kind of Boris continue, as, as George said, probably a little bit more driven by uh, what his other main army is in Drakari, which is definitely propping up the meta right now. Um, but actually, I think they will definitely still have some play, um, and actually, without spoiling the next person, because they're they're also on Gene Steel Cult. It's very interesting to see how people have uh, adapted. You know, so Boyce's list probably looks very similar to what the main Gene Steel Cult lists were looking at before Nerf. But actually, there is a change to move towards actual bombs in trucks in Goliath trucks. So. Uh, That's really interesting, um, especially now that there's clarity that, you know, when you use your one-use items from within the firing deck, actually they don't get used up, so you could potentially then disembark and still use them. Um, And then you'll see with uh, kind of the the next list uh, is actually there is totally different skews as well that you could potentially go to because there's still some innate power in things like Neophytes. What I think really hurts Gene Stealer, however, is nothing to do with GSE, it's the fact that Chaos Cultists came onto the scene, so everybody has started teching for anti infantry horde. Same with Necron Warriors. So where my view was that we could go to Neophyte Hybrid Spam, actually the meta probably has that covered now.
1: Very interesting. So the meta has adapted for one thing, and it has affected another strong contender. As generally happens, you know, anyone that lived through 6th and 7th edition was always arguing against nerfs because they said the meta will eventually solve it, and uh, we saw how that turned out. So thank God for Games Workshop on their balance data slates, and unfortunately, GSC have borne the brunt of it. Speaking of GSC, you mentioned that the next player is Magnum2. He's got a 25 to 1, and our first... Um, shall we say, you know, two people close in the odds, same faction, you've given one better odds than the other. So we've got TJ on 25 to one and Boris was on 33 to one, as we just discussed. So George, why don't you tell us what was the separating factor between these two players?
2: Um, I think TJ is going to want it more. Um, it is, a, it's a common thing that when, when there's a horse race about to go off, um, and you look, you, what you could look at is where's this horse come from? Now this horse has travelled all the way from the, you know, from the Middle East, or has travelled thousands of miles just to run this race. Now it ain't come all that way to lose, and that was my my factor. Boris, you know, he's using his genes to the colt, but he's local, so he's obviously going to be attending LGT. TJ has travelled all the way from America, so he's not come to, um, you know, to lose. That was my theory anyway. So he's gonna he's gonna try harder and want it more. So that's why I've made him slightly shorter than Boris. I so think, you get uh, shorter list what is actually potentially
3: time. potentially slightly
1: more for what I would go to. Okay. So better list once it more these are the sort of things that make the difference I guess at the topest tier, topest tier that's not the word the uppermost tier of the game. Speaking of the uppermost tier of the game one gentleman who was seeded very highly in our invitational seeding is up at 22 to 1. So why don't you tell us, George, about why you've given Kyle 22-1 to 1 when he's apparently the sixth best player in the world? Because that's what he was seeded at.
2: Um, looking at his list, I think it's tidy. Obviously, what is Tao, right? And Kyle and Tao just go together. Like, you know, that's, that's his faction. He's always been on on the Tao. Um so it might have been a bit disrespectful that I've got some other Tao players above him, actually, looking at it again. But um, I find that you can pressure Kyle under the clock. I know he's got a history with the clock <laughs> and he's, he's very, very slow um, to start the game. So that anyone wants to um, put Kyle under pressure, pull a clock out and then put him on the time. And then he starts to get nervous, um, in, in my opinion. So hopefully he's gotten over that. But um, time will tell. He's a lovely opponent to play. Um, two units of broadsides, which I thought was interesting. Um, might be overkill, in my opinion, but with two units of broadsides. But I think Cole knows exactly what he's doing, um, way more than what I do when it comes to writing tower lists. Indeed. And of course, anyone that wants to learn
1: from the towel master himself can head on over to Kyle's Pure Tide programme, which is his own little towel coaching service he's set up. So before we get into the top half of the field, we're about halfway now. So as I say, we're about to get into the meats and potatoes, or nut roasts if you prefer. We're going to go through the odds of an unnamed player making the top four cut. So an unnamed player, Georgia, I believe is somebody not otherwise on this list. And the top four cut, of course, is the semi-finals or better. So that means you've got down from 750-ish players to the top four, and most likely you'll have had to play eight rounds to do so. So you've gone eight and oh before your first loss. So George, you've given this five to one. What makes you so sure that somebody from outside your list of the top twenty is gonna make it?
2: Someone always does, right? So I'm just looking at fevers. there's always some unknown guy that does really well. Like look at last LGT. A guy won won the whole thing that wouldn't have probably made my my cut even, my top twenty. And he won the whole tournament. So, you know, we haven't got to him yet. He is in my top twenty this year, but we've not we've not covered him yet. But there's always someone that gets the easy matchups or gets the matchups they want, you know, and does better than what they should. Or there's just someone that's been practicing loads that um wasn't as good last year. So they've come on, you know, in leaps and bounds from last year, and they're an accomplished player now, and they do well, and I've not recognised that with my top twenty. So I think it's likely there will be one person that no one knows in in the semi-final.
1: Indeed, and I actually think these odds are a little long. I would guess that this is probably going to be closer to 2-1. to one. That would be my shout. As you said, it always happens, and often it does happen to the finals and the overall winner as well. But next up, we have a gentleman who is uh, not an unnamed player. But he is part of a team that has a lot of similar lists, so we're going to cover a little bit about, you know, maybe optimizing now with the help of Malik. So next up, we have Brian in at 20 to 1. George, why don't you start off by telling us why you've given Brian 20 to 1, and then maybe Malik, you want to comment a little bit on uh, the lists for Team Ignite this year?
2: Um, It's... So it's twenty to one, Brian. Um obviously I've got the same list on from one of his teammates who's uh, who's one of my favorites, who's literally a copy and paste of the exact same list. Um I believe Brian's worked on a list with the other with the other player. It's just standard elder list, really. It's you know, triple spinner, rave guard, extremely boring. Um in, in my in my opinion. Not one tweak, it's just, you know, your, your typical elder list at the moment if you want to win. And in the current meta, I don't think that's guaranteed. I think we're in a very rock-paper-scissors meta at the moment. I think it does beat up Tao. I think it's a massive um, advantage when playing tau because the spinners are going to bully them like crazy. But I think it does show, have a lot of weaknesses. And, I, and I, I'm not sure an elder an elder army will win this LGT. I'm actually saying they won't. Because um, I think Cal Space wins can give them some serious trouble, along with a few other armies as well. Um, but it all depends who they play. Like, if they come up against Necrons, I think they can struggle into Necrons quite badly as well. But they do beat up Tau. So all you Tau players, you better try and avoid this particular Ignite Elderless for sure.
1: Very interesting. Yes, of course. Last time we spoke, Malik, you were telling us all about how important teams and practice is to becoming a serial winner. And of course, you know, maybe the outcome of you know intense practice sessions is the team decides that hey, this list is just the best list right now. Why don't we all take it? Obviously, we've mentioned that this is a copy and paste of somebody else's list that's coming up earlier. Obviously, I'm attributing credit to whoever or the team or Of people that came up with this list obviously copy and pasting stuff nowadays isn't really a thing anymore and uh there's no real innovation it's more just hey here's a good idea adding to here's a good idea and it's done in a collaborative environment so mike why don't you just talk a little bit about you know what this environment might be like seeing as you know some of these players are people you're very familiar with obviously they've won a bunch of our events before so what are your thoughts on teams taking identical lists yeah i think it's very
3: normal uh it's uh Actually, uh, obviously, the echo chamber in terms of what you're all working on together. So they will have worked on this together in Team Ignite, they would have come to conclusions of what is optimal. And as long as an individual players play style agreed with those choices, that's why they've ended up with the same solution. And actually, it's very interesting how very often you may start with two different factions. For example, I imagine in this team, uh, they all have really looked at the Tau versus Eldar match. I played it, played it, played it, played it again, uh, and potentially seen that one very naturally beats the other, and that kind of defines it. Uh, you know, I've had similar things in the past. I think you know uh, everyone's pretty well aware that you know myself and Alex have always kind of been a partnership as we've played Warhammer and. Uh, We've sometimes been on different lists and sometimes been on absolutely identical lists or or very minor differences. Um, And I can remember one really specific time, actually, uh, which will probably haunt him, uh, but I'll tell you all about it. We're going to LVO. Alex was going to take his own version of Braviathan, which went on to win LVO. Uh, But because in practice I kept beating him with imperial fists, that actually changed his choice. Uh, So I think something similar has happened here. Um, Actually, I think the list is a little bit more innovative than maybe George gives it credit for. Uh, I don't think many Eldar players had kind of really cottoned on that triple spinner was still a thing despite kind of two rounds of nerfs and tells you a little bit about how busted this data sheet is. Uh, It adds a load of characters. It's a very typical playstyle, but it definitely has some big weaknesses uh, George has already identified. Uh, So it'll be interesting. And I think what it does tell you is that the winner of LGT more than likely, will also have to have a favourable path because I am not sure that this list stands up to, I don't know, eighty or a hundred Necron warriors um, and some of the other horde bits.
1: Interesting. Well, we won't spoil who is our favourite for the event and what their list may or may not be yet, because we are now moved into the upper echelons of bets on for the LGT twenty twenty three with the first Whitaker, Will Whitaker. Now, George. I'm going to drop a little spoiler here. Dan has not made the list. So why don't you tell us by, at the beginning about why you have put a Mind Goblin ahead of a Dice Down player?
2: Um, well, first of all, Will's list. I absolutely love Will's list. Of the whole top 20 cut here, there's two lists that really jump out to me that I would want to play myself. That I would really, you know, if I could swap my, my, my army for an army, before Saturday, I would. And there's only two lists I would do it for. And Will's one is actually one of them. Um, it's an actual mixture of this. There's another copy and paste Chaos Space Wing list around now that just about everyone is using. Um, I don't know. There's rumors saying that Liam wrote it um, in a team environment and everyone's doing the Liam list now you know, all over the place. But what Will's done, he's ignored that because he's, he's his own man. He doesn't need to copy someone else's list. Um Writes his own version of it, which is a mixture of your cultists. So he's got his horde there and he's also got The Chosen, which is what, what Liam's um basic standard Chaos Space Wing list is. So he's combined the two together Um and he's also got six obliterators, which is, you know, so he's got a much more balanced army in, in, in my view he's got the horde he's also got the the pressure of the chosen and he's also got the firepower of six obliterators rather than you know liam's four for example so it's it's really good and he's also using this this new character has come about now that every cow spaceman player other than myself um is using um you know this i don't know how to say the name shell-esque or something like that skill-esque skill-esque is that how you say it? it's a slanish. you like your slanish, don't you, Malik? Um, yeah, Sheeresk is a very, very good character. Um personally I, I didn't want to use any allies, so I've gone for pure cow space means I've not gone for the most optimal army, but if I was to use an ally, this would be one that I would certainly consider. This character is extremely good with the revive. Very similar to the Fugan um for the for the Elder. Um hundred and twenty points but worth it. Um really good character to watch out for. Um and yeah, Will's got, got that character in there as well. So it's a really, really, I really, really like his list. Oh,
3: I works. love this list yeah. also. Yeah, I think, I just think it's, it's, it's got such good balance uh, of different profiles. Uh, and I can't really think of any army that is teched to be able to deal with everything. How do you deal with chosen? That can be quite tough with in essence, minus one AP and some other bits. How do you deal with a cursed cultist that you really need severe firepower and then you've also got to be able to defend yourself against a unit of four undivided obliterators and potentially two nurgle ones kind of backing them up um i just also love the idea of the look of it because it's not just a skew list you know on the table you're going to have these big units and then these elite units and a couple of monsters um you know and you know one big fortune at the back i'm in love with the list
1: all right. So, Will, maybe with the most popular list in this lineup. Best of luck to you, Will. He's always been one of my favourite players to host at the LGT. After the first time he turned up, and we had about a ten minute conversation about how he's our cello player, and that's why Bellicle's got a cello, and he had all his Greater Demons set up in a nice band. So, good, best of luck to Will, and uh, commiserations to Dice Down for not getting down into the top twenty. Sad times. Next up, we have our first of our former champions in the rankings. We have Mr. Alexandra Sacco, who, of course, won last year with Chaos Space Marines. And this year he is back. George, you've given him 16 to 1. Tell us why he's not your favourite this year. He's the reigning champ.
2: Well, um, this guy is the definition of copy and paste, in, in my opinion. I don't know him, so I'm not trying to offend him in any way because he's a bloody champion, so he deserves credit. Um, but he completely copied and pasted Vic's list last year and ended up playing Vic in, in one of the final games, I believe, if my memory serving the me right. Yeah. And he beat him. So he copied his list, copied and pasted it, and beat him with his own list, which I found, uh, or oh, I were not hilarious at the time because Vic was a teammate, but it was very impressive. And what has he done this year? He has done exactly the same. So he's copied and pasted. This Chaos Space Marine, Liam's list. So he's using the same tactic as last time um, this year, but with a different faction. And this Chaos Space Marine is is the, apparently it is the list to beat, is from what I've been hearing from, you know, um, some of the playtesters that have been testing all this rock, paper, scissors stuff. And he's come with uh, literally the copy and paste of it. So whether he's friends with, with Liam or not, I don't know how he knows the list. Um, piece by piece because there has been some changes to it but he is the copy and paste master and he I hopefully i want him to hopefully play play whether actually originally wrote this list and beat them at their own game again like he did last year that would be hilarious
1: Yes, it would indeed. And obviously, you know, that semi-final game between him and Vic was very interesting to watch as it basically summarised a lot of Alexander's run. He had an incredibly tough run, knocked out loads of really good players. And if you listen to the Fireside post-LGT episode that David and Vic did after the LGT, David gives you a walkthrough about how Alexander explained his strategy and it is highly entertaining. So I recommend going back in time and checking that out. I'm sure you can still find it on their feed. Alexandra obviously beat David, I believe, in round four, round five, beat Vic in round nine, I believe it was. So best of luck to Alexandra, the copy and paste king. We'll have to get you a crown. All right. Moving on up. So we've got next got an Englishman of renown. Current or former captain? I'm not quite sure. Mr. Josh Roberts. Now, Josh has been a favourite in many of our events, I believe, when we first did a preliminary bets on episode for the Invitational a couple of weeks ago. Now, George, you had him as your favourite, but now you've got him down at 12 to 1. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you think Josh's chances in the GT are so much lower than his chances in the Invitational, which is obviously a harder event to win, right?
2: Well, there's a lot of players here and he's obviously on on the Chaos Knights, so he's not got your typical meta army. So when I first looked at it and thought about Chaos Knights, I thought, well, they got no chance. And then I looked at them a bit more closely and we had a chat amongst the team um, and Malik actually identified that the Chaos Knights are actually a a little um, secret weapon uh, within the meta and can actually upset a lot of people. So I think 12-1 to is fair because then it's not the the strongest list you can get out there. But if people are not ready for it or haven't got the tools to deal with it, he could upset quite a few of these favourites above him. That's my opinion and view anyway.
1: All right. Well, we covered Chaos Knights earlier, obviously. And we've covered this gentleman earlier as well. You've heard his name a bunch of times. He's the newest big dog on the scene. We have none other than... Is he called the War Master or the World Champion? I'm not quite sure. Liam VSL, 10 to 1 odds. Why don't we dive deep into Liam's chances of winning this event, as he's previously won events outside of the UK, and many UK players will not be familiar with him unless they are following the tip top meta as it develops. So let's start off, G. Tell us a little bit about his list and why you've got him as 10 to 1.
2: Well, I, I should have actually put him as uh, odds on favourite, really, shouldn't I? Because every time I hear the, the word Liam from anybody, um, it's this guy's the best in the world. This guy can't be beat. This guy writes the best lists. This guy is a, a walking god. That's all everyone keeps saying. So um, I'll be interested to see how well this actual Liam does. Um, because people speak so highly of him. He's basically unbeatable, is what I've, what I've heard. So, so I, I challenge myself and I don't believe it. So I've put him at 10 to 1 because he is travelling over here. So he's on foreign ground. Um, and everyone seems to have copied his list. So everyone obviously has the respect for him to do that. And from what I've heard is he hasn't lost yet with this Cal Space list, is what the rumours have told me. He's undefeated with it and he's played into everything. So really, he should be odds on. But I can't give a foreigner odds on, not on my book anyway. So 10 to 1 for Liam.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll steer clear of George's Brexit book and we'll go back to the UKBC <laughs> one where we think 10 to 1 is probably a little bit long. Personally, I would give Liam maybe a 3 yeah, to 1. Is, uh, really
3: 4 solid to our... Malle, player. What do you think is just category. realistic? Yeah. Um, uh, that said, you know, uh, he has been on the local scene, but uh, we've yet to see him in the lights of LGT and LVO. Uh, it is very different. When you actually kind of go abroad with a ton of expectation, pressure, uh, want to represent uh, your own country, your own group of friends, your own team. uh, And there is all the kind of coverage, people asking you for podcasts, etc. You know, Liam plays a lot online. Uh, So we'll see if he's able to handle that, really, because, you know, uh, we've really yet to see him in in, in LVO and LGT. Um, So it would be really interesting. The list is solid. Uh, I do think that the the list can be beaten as well. Like um, I'm not sitting here reading that and being like, there's no army in the world that beats this list. Um, so it'd be really, really interesting. Uh, I'm also very curious, what does VSL stand for? Uh, I'm, I've been thinking of changing mine to Malik AR. Uh, I think it's a, it's a cool acronym thing.
1: Yes, well, my acronym is ZAB, which I think is kind of a bit, Almost good, but ultimately terrible. I think of one of my initials. George, what's your medal One
2: thing I picked up as well with him as well is his his list is actually wrong as well. So for someone that's this good, um, he's put his army points at 1995 and it's actually 1990. So he's got a mistake on his list. So the guy that wrote the list for half the field can't write the list properly for himself. (laughs) Interesting. Very interesting.
1: Well, fortunately, it sounds like his list is still perfectly legal. But before we move on to our top six, we've got a little bit of a funny one. It always happens. What what are the chances this time we get a Dice Down Civil War? Do you reckon you're going to be playing David in the uh, semifinals again, like you did in the LVO that time? Or uh, what do you think the chances are of getting knocked out by somebody you're very close to, George?
2: it uh, always happens to me always happens to me I'm, I'm i'm literally cursed so the last major tournament i went to i got malik in round 2 the tournament before that i got vic when vic was one of my teammates in round 2 the tournament before that i got vic in round 2 so i've played malik vic vic round 2 on my last three majors that i super majors that i went to so very unlucky and in previous editions it used to always happen as well I used to draw, you know, Manic all the time and teammates all the time. I don't think I've ever got a clear run um, (laughs) without, without actually doing it. So it's very likely and it wouldn't surprise me if I got one of my teammates round one or two. All
1: right. And you're giving that a two to one odds. Of course, this is not just applicable to Dice Down. Anyone who's part of a big team, you know, has these high chances of knocking out their buddies. And, of course, that one time me and you traveled to Vegas, Malek, and then you know I was on this amazing unbeaten record, and then uh, we sat down and you promptly smashed me in two turns. So, you know, it happens whether you go onto foreign soil, as George says, or on home turf like the LGT. Now, we've got one other funny little uh, side event odds to do, and we'll do that right at the very end. So stay tuned for our top six as we move into last year's second place. He lost in the final to Alexandra but this time, you have given him better odds. You've got Nassim as 8-1. to one. Tell us about why Nasim is 8-1. to uh, Alexandra was just a measly
2: 16-1. Well, Nassim's got his elder, but he's done his own thing. So he's played he's played it. He's got an extra wraith guard unit, basically. And he, he believes that only one spinner is enough. Um, well, I, I don't agree with that. I think you need to go three spinners. I think they're just too good not to, to max out, personally. But Nasim, he, he can't be persuaded. He's his own man. And when he's got a theory and he believes something, he, he will stick with it. And I'm actually playing Nassim tomorrow. So <laughs> I will find out tomorrow um, how well it works. Because um, I've, I've practiced loads into Elder, loads and loads and loads. All I keep playing is Elder, Elder, Elder. Um, but this is a different style of Elder with a double Wraith Guard. And I only have to worry about one spinner rather than three which is a, a breath of fresh air, it really is. Um, so I'll know more tomorrow, but Nazim is a dangerous opponent,
1: for sure. He is indeed. And of course, you've mentioned yourself a bunch here, George. You're not in the top 20, but why don't we throw the mic over to Malik. Malik, if you were going to price up an event and you had to price George, would you be as favourite as him and give him a 2-1, to one, or would he get an outside chance like Sid with 151? tell us what you think uh, I have lots of questions to ask is golf. he
3: is he gonna have a beer or not uh it's quite important uh where's he staying is he staying at right, round Mine or or somewhere else you know it depends it depends how much I get to control him uh you know if, if he behaves himself he's got really good odds uh and actually I think he's got a good list that suits his play style uh, but if someone takes him to the bar early on then we can go
1: out to the 200 to ones or 250 to ones so you add Lewis Smith with one Sid Sidu, and you get a big G. So best of luck, G, on your two hundred fifty to one. That's basically like a one in three chance for an average. Who player. says I'm having a
2: beer? Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm actually, I might stay at Malik's on Saturday and not drink. So, <laughs> but no, my, my my list is um, it's it's different. It's just it's just no it's no nonsense. Basically, that's that's what I've gone for. A no nonsense list. Go all out, attack, and then see how you go. It obviously has a lot of weaknesses. You know playing the mission is not so great with but it's a lot of fun and that's what I'm coming for to have fun.
1: So All right. that's why well, most people are there brilliant. for that same reason. You know, of course they're just there to play five games and have a bunch of fun with their mates. So hopefully you can achieve that goal, George, and we will see if these two gentlemen can achieve their goal which is probably to better their previous performances. Moving into the top five we have a tie on six to one with last year's semi-finalist Vic VJ. And Ines Wilson, who has never made our top cut, but has, of course, won more of our Super Majors than anyone else. So tell us a little bit about why these players are tied, George.
2: It was hard to split them, um, to be honest with you. Um, They're both, you know, extremely good players. As we know, they're both very successful players in recent time. And when I was doing the answer, I just didn't want to put one in front of the other. They've both got, um, you know, different different list ones on the chaos space marines Innis, which is a similar list to the the common one that everyone's using but That's he's right. just done some minor tweaks to it like he's added an extra two obliterators i believe he's added two more obliterators uh rather than uh, the forge Fiend. i think he's dropped a forge Fiend or something like that if my memory serves me right but it's your your standard base of you know three chaos lords uh three chosen units in two rhinos um, which is which is a problem, you know, it, it really is a problem where you can put undivided um, chosen into a Nurgle Rhino. It's one of the changes that I think GW should make and make it fast. If you're, Nurgle, if you're a Nurgle unit, you should be in a Nurgle Rhino. You shouldn't be able to um, jump undivided things in Nurgle Rhinos. It's just exploiting the, the rules, basically, which is clever, obviously. It's, you know, it's obviously a clever idea, but it's not something that looks good, is it, at all? Um, but in this... Yeah, Innes has got a great chance for sure. Um, And his list is solid, as we all know. It's very similar to the one that's out there everywhere.
1: The one list to rule them all. We shall see. We shall see. So best of luck to those two guys. Obviously, both fantastic gentlemen. And in with a chance to win it.
2: Let's just just, just mention Vic as well. Um, I was actually really surprised Vic come with Eldar. I was convinced. No one told me this. This is only me in my head because I know Vic quite well, obviously. because we used to be teammates. I was convinced that he was going to be on Tao. I really was. Um, but he's, and I believe he wanted to play Tao. That's what I would imagine. Obviously, Vic can confirm that or not later on. But um, he's probably tested the matchup with Tao into Elder. Tested it over and over would be what I'd imagine. And I think Elder just beat Tao. The triple spinners just beat Tao. And I think Vic aware of this. So I think he's jumped ship last minute. onto the Elder.
1: Mm. Well, Vic is, of course, note noteworthyly a Eldar player. You know, I guess he would probably say that's his main faction, anyway. So, best of luck to Vic with his Eldar. Now, we've got three people left. Two of these people are probably people you've all heard of. Um, none of them have won our event before at the LGT, but one of them has won a couple of our other super majors. So, I'm sure everyone is. Guessing Manny Chima is in this list somewhere. We won't tell you exactly where he is yet. But first we have Harrison. Alex Harrison, of course, made the finals against UMalek in the world's best game of 40k ever played, and is in there at 5-1. So George, why don't you tell us why Harrison is in there at 5-1 when so many other people are playing the same faction as he is, with maybe a bit more experience, and yet they're lower down the field? Why has Harrison got such good odds?
2: I wanted a Londoner in my top three first of all, um, so that was what was <laughs> that was one because obviously I want a Londoner to win this um, if it's not one of my teammates. But I think all my teammates are Londoners anyway, pretty much. But um, so I wanted to put Harrison in the top three. His tower list is different. Um, no, go- no ghost kills in there, which I think could hurt him in the elder matchup. I really worry. I really worry about him playing elder. I really do. Um, I'm not sure he can handle them at all. Um, but I think he will destroy anyone else. Any other list, the Cal Space means I think he beats. Um, even though everyone keeps telling me the Cal Space means are good into Tau, I think Harrison knows that matchup very well and he's practiced that matchup very well. I think it's the Elder that could could stop him. So if he's lucky and he avoids these, you know, Vicks or Bryans and you know, anyone with these free spinner lists, a couple of um, dice down players on Elder as well will cause him a lot of trouble. Um he has a fantastic chance providing he avoids that matchup.
1: Well, unfortunately for him, it's pretty hard to avoid that matchup when it is still the dominant faction. It's being taken by a large number of top players. And of course in the LGT it is pure win-loss. So to win the overall event, you have to go undefeated, as does everyone else, as they make their way through the top cut. So what we can pretty much guarantee is he is gonna play Eldar. At some point most likely in the last five games so game six through to ten and in those games he's likely gonna be playing against a very skilled opponent so I think you've given him probably a bit too short odds George probably have Harrison further down the field below the likes of Sacco and Josh Roberts and Liam around the 18 or 20 to 1 but this next gentleman is i don't know which way round we should do it should we do the favorite first or the unknown first because we have in a top position i won't say yet mr <laughs> oliver Weiss with four to one now of course i won't ask you why you've given him four to one george i'm going to ask you who is oliver Weiss.
2: so oliver rice and i i've i've actually done some research on him because when i read his name um like a week ago or so when you know when the when and I was thinking, where do I know that name from? I definitely, I definitely recognise that name. So I just, I just done a bit of research on him, and I asked a few people, and he's the the French captain, um, the team French captain. And from what I've got some feedback from some guys who know the the French camp really well, he is an absolute beast of a player. He's skilled. He has everything. He's determined. He's calculates everything he knows every list back to front inside out he practices against everything and he has the coolest list who is going to lgt in my opinion his list is so cool remember i said earlier in the the video that there's two lists that i absolutely love um and oliver's one is the other one it's the raven guard which has you know some really really nice tricks in it that people will underestimate it but now I've just exposed a the guy. They probably won't. They're probably going to all read up on it now and what it does. But he can, you know, he can make like whole units loan up. For example, um, but a whole Death Star unit can just be a loan up unit. For example, this one minor example of some of the tricks it can do, which will completely nullify these spinners and things like that. Um, I think he's got a fantastic chance, and I and I wish him all the best, traveling all the way over from France just to play in our London event.
1: Yeah, and we do wish him the best as well. Of course, we haven't revealed yet if he is first or second in the odds, but we did mention the other gentleman who is potentially the first or second earlier. Of course, none other than Manny Chima. So, George, before we reveal which way round you've placed these people, why don't you tell us a little bit about Manny's list? Would you say, you know, it's surprising or would you say he's uh, he's taking something that perhaps he's familiar with?
2: I think it's a, a very standard common manny list. I think it's the same list as he brought last year almost, but um the names have changed on the, the <laughs> on the data sheets. Um it's just it's it's just so many cultists, isn't it? He's got so many cheap bodies that you know Abaddon's gonna just give the whole army or string all all of them are gonna string to Abaddon, who's gonna give the entire army a four four up save and he's just gonna move up. And what can deal with that? Elder definitely can't deal with that. Because I've I've tested it with half that amount of bodies and they they just lose. I can tell you that now. Any older player beats Manny. I will shake them by the hand and buy them a pint at, at the weekend. Let me tell you that. But Tao on the other hand um, can beat that. They they do have the firepower that can actually hurt it. Um, and also, Obliterator Spam is very good against Horde as well. So my list is not terrible into it with with the twelve Obliterators that would all start on the table and just unload. Unload every turn into it. You know, um, all the blast, all the, you know, damage two, which, you know, stops the six up feel no pains. But I just think Elder just just can't. Cal Space Marines, I'm not convinced. I, I think it beats the Cal Space Marine list as well. The the one that everyone's using. I think Manny just has to watch out for Tau and watch out
1: for me. He's got to watch out for Big G. So before we throw it over to Malek, we have already covered... This sort of stuff in our episode again on Serial Winners. We covered playstyle about how we're in the fresh meta, reverting to a typical playstyle is often what very strong players do and have a lot of success with. Now, I mentioned earlier we are in this state of a new meta with the balance status slate really shaking up the game, and Manny has done a Manny. He's reverted to his strong playstyle, he's had a lot of success with it before, and he's got more cultists than anyone else. So, Malik, why don't you tell us quickly? Who you think would win Ooh, in uh, a face-off really between question. Manny and
3: uh, Oliver? I have to admit, like like George, I was taken aback by Oliver's list because we it is just so unique and so innovative. Um, so, but there is lots of actually anti horde there. So, I feel like Oliver might be able to do it. Um, to be honest with you, uh, in particular when you're looking at the aggressors. And um, that said, Manny's got a lot. And it really depends on whether anybody can actually take out Abaddon, uh, because those cultists really do crumble as soon as that four-up in is not there. Uh, So not knowing Oliver, I am going to stick to my guns and say that Manny takes that, uh, because there's a couple of things in Oliver's list, like the whirlwinds, that probably aren't going to really do that much. Yes, they can hurt the regular cultists, but it's the accursed cultists you, you have to cope with because they're the damage dealers and they're the ones that you need burst firepower. You can't basically attrition them down. Um, so I'm going to go for Manny
1: as long as he can you know, play it right and make sure he gets to the aggressors in the right moment.
2: First turn's also important, Malik, isn't it? Because obviously, Abaddon can't give everyone a four plus plus on turn one. If you go second, you need your you need your own command phase. So if he's not going to be able to hide that many bodies, I don't think. So if someone can you know go first on him, like Tower or myself. Depends whether you're You can unload into and those codes and, and it won't benefit. I don't from think Oliver four, has the ranged uh, kind of anti horde
3: You know, there's no twenty-four inch uh, severe range, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd go with Manny in that matchup, but um, there's definitely lists, and I do think Tau. I mean, the output from a crisis suit unit is just unbelievable, uh, especially when they're on full re-rolls from tetras. Uh, so it'd be really interesting. Some super interesting lists. Um, I don't think any Eldar player, like George, already said, wants to wants
1: to see Manny even with three spinners slowing down some of these blobs. Indeed, and of course, we can now reveal what the odds are. One of these gentlemen has three to one, means he's got a thirty-three percent chance of winning this event. The other has four to one, that's a twenty-five percent chance. And um, without further ado, Big G can give to you the odds, which are Manichima as your favourite in three to one, followed by Oliver Vice in four to one, second place. So, thirty-three percent chance of winning the event pretty good odds. That's, that's 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 shorter odds than you've given some people for our 250-ish player events. George, but best of luck to Manny and, of course, best of luck to all the other players, not only those that we've gone through today, but everyone at home listening, everyone not listening, who's coming along anyway. Good luck to you guys, too. And before we leave you for the end of today's episode, I told you we had one extra funny little bit of betting odds. So... George, why don't you tell us what odds you've given Manny Chima to play David Gaylard in round one?
2: <laughs> yeah, so um, I thought let's this, this do an odds of like a, a big rivalry that, that that you know amongst two players, and there, there's a bit of history with these two guys, you know, in in previous events. It's good and bad. Not it's not all bad. Some in a good history where they've uh, they've had last together, they've had great final games, and it would just be the most funniest thing if those two drew each other round one, in my view. So 750 players, so it should be 750 to one, shouldn't it, really? Because that's that's the actual real odds of of them drawing each other. But obviously, um, I priced it up at 600 to one. And I would put a pound on that myself for it put to happen.
1: I would, put, I would put £10 <laughs> on that and I would donate the money to um, getting David a better mic for his podcast. <laughs> and getting Manny some better, better, better branding for his glass hammer. But uh, as we said, only a bit of fun. Best of luck to both those guys. Hopefully they can meet it in the final rather than round one. It's always a shame to see a high-profile player get knocked out so early. But that's it for today. Of course, this episode will be going out very shortly. We're finishing recording now at around 1 p.m. So the big news is that Pairings will be live at 2 p.m. Basically, by the time you've heard this, You should know who you're playing for round one so best of luck to all of you guys thank you so much for coming on the podcast thanks for having us thanks for being here malik and thank you you you
2: for coming on george as well you're welcome thanks for having me
0: thank you for tuning in to what's happening in 40k We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K. We'll We'll be be back back next time with even even more news, news, updates, and opinions from from the the world of Warhammer 40,000.